So we're going to be talking about the power of fasting. And, there's, and I can't help but keep going back to Matthew 16 and uh, those couple of verses there where Jesus had asked, who do men say that I am? And we've got Simon Peter answering, and he said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you but my Father in heaven. And I say to you that is Peter, and if you understand Greek, there's a Greek word here that says you're a little stone. He said little stone uh, upon this rock, this massive rock, which is showing you the differ- it's different than uh, Peter is just a little pebble off of the rock. So the rock is what Peter brought as revelation there, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the anointed one. The the anointing is is the power. So what Peter revealed, Jesus is saying, upon that, I'm going to build my church. So he's not building his church on Peter. Peter was just a servant that brought the... He was a little rock, a little pebble off of the massive, huge stone. And uh, so let's get our theology right, okay? We're not building on a man. We're building on Christ. We're not building on Peter. We're building on Christ. Amen? And that's a sure foundation. And, uh, and he says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against that. So the church is supposed to be advancing. The church was created with the very characteristic in the nature of taking the devils uh, out of business, putting the devil out of business. And, and so many times I feel like the church, we're just running from the devil and trying to keep our little corners safe and let him just do, be the mobster in the streets. No! We're to go out in the street and put the mobster out of business. Come on now. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Come on, church, arise. Church, wake up. We have an anointing. We, we're not leaning on the arm of the flesh. We're not leaning on our own understanding. We have an anointing. We have the Christos, the anointing that breaks the yoke and lifts the burden as our resource so that we can bring forth the manifest of heaven on earth. So he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you, and if you'll study your Greek, you'll find you is plural, which means all of you. So he's not saying to you, Peter, singular. There again, we've got to keep our theology correct. He said, I'm not just giving it to you, Peter. I'm giving it to you all. Uh, if, it was, if he was Southern, he would be saying, I'm giving it to y'all. Okay, I'm giving y'all the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You and I have the keys to the kingdom of heaven been given to us. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we have authority and we have a responsibility to use that authority. And when Christ ascended unto heaven, He made full provision for us, His church, that we would be the most powerful force on earth. And I'm not going to shut up. And I'm not going to stop preaching it. And I'm not going to stop living it. And I'm not going to stop challenging you until we, the church, rise up into our position. We are supposed to be the most powerful force on earth. I'm telling you, D.C. is not the most powerful force in this nation. And as we look at the U.N., they're not the most powerful force in this world. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is supposed to be the most powerful force on earth. Hallelujah. He intended for us, the church, that He was building to carry His supernatural ministry to saving the lost and healing the sick. Come on, church. Casting out devils, raising the dead, and advancing His kingdom in four corners of this earth so that the earth begins to look like heaven, that embassies begin to operate and bring the government of heaven unto the government of this earth. Hallelujah. So that's the church. And we're, you know, when we're faced with a crisis 
and, uh, and all the problems in our communities and our cities and our, and our nations, it just seems like the church has a power crisis. There's a power crisis. And, and, and it's like we need power from God. Uh, let me tell you what, we have the power. We have the power. We just have to tap into His power. We have to make a demand on it. We're not sitting back waiting for God to do something. God's waiting for us to do something. Come on now. So we are to be the church. Our greatest need is an outpouring of the Spirit of the living God to empower us individually and empower us corporately as we come together as His body, releasing waves of salvation. Where you see the freedom of the Holy Ghost, you will see waves of salvation. You will see waves of healing. You will see deliverances by the masses. Come on now. I'm tired of just seeing a little trickle here and a little trickle there. It's like a little spring of a leak here and a little spring of a leak here. Let's tear down the dam and let the river flow. Come on. Let's tear it down. And one of the ways we can tear down that which is obstructing the flow of God is through the spiritual discipline of prayer and fasting. That's what we're looking at. The power of fasting. The power of fasting. We're not going to see the greater. We're not going to see the, the, the manifest of heaven on earth until we change something. If we keep doing what we've been doing, we're going to keep getting what we've been getting. Come on now. And instead of trying to recreate the wheel and, and trying to figure something else out or test something, why don't we go to what's been proven? The Word has been proven. Come on now. So let's act in faith and work the Word because the Word works. And the Word teaches us about the power of prayer and fasting. There was a father that brought his son to, to Jesus and his son, the Bible says he was crazy. He had the demon that was causing him to be crazy out of his mind, had fits of rage and fits of throwing him into the fire, foaming at the mouth, trying to drown him. And the disciples, they didn't have any success getting this boy delivered. But when he came to Jesus, Jesus cast out that devil in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, you and I have authority to cast out the devil. We need not let the devil will come and put on his show we need to say as Jesus said when one person of the devil stood up and Jesus said shut up and sit down yeah he, he was trying to interrupt one of Jesus he said no you suck shut up and sit down and some people said well I'm afraid if I start working trying to cast the devil out they'll they'll vomit on me I don't even let the devil vomit I said you're not messing up my carpet no you can vomit outside but you just go you just go I, I want to operate in authority where the devil and the demons are begging me to send them to a pig or something another that they're like, no, don't come, don't come and send us into dry places, okay? We've got to operate in our level of authority. Come on. And I'm going to hear, I'm going to push on you. You are not some pushovers. You are not some weak, uh, you know, just, just lame individuals. You're sons and daughters of God. You're a royal priesthood. You whom Jesus died and redeemed. You have access to a name that is above every name that every knee has a bow to that name. I'm telling you who you are as a body of Christ. And it's time for us to arise and, and be all He's called us to be. So let's follow the example of the teaching and the, and the example of Jesus. And we see that Jesus Himself began His ministry 
with fasting and prayer. Forty days he fasted and he was praying and all the devil tried to take advantage of him, but the devil lost. All three times the devil came, the devil got put down all three times. Let me tell you what, the devil will try to fight you during your time of fasting and prayer, but let me tell you what, you just come against him, not with flesh and blood, not with bread, but with the Word of God. Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written, and the devil had to go every time he is defeated by the Word. So we see in the Word the example given to us and the mandate to pray and fast. But as we look back over church history, we see the same thing as it's been lived out. We see that every great move of God, every major revival was ushered in through united prayer and fasting. You can study the mountain movers and you can study the world shakers throughout church history like Matthew Henry and Jonathan Edwards and, and Catherine Kuhlman and John G. Lake and Andrew Murray and Smith Wigglesworth. Just study their life and you'll see when the revival came, it was when they called or led a united effort of the people of God in prayer and fasting. Man, the list goes on and on of the men and women of God that he used to usher in revival to advance his kingdom. And every one of them throughout church history attribute the release of the power of God to prayer and fasting. John Wesley was so uh, believed in fasting that he said, you know what, this isn't going to be a once a year. It's not going to be just during Lent. He said, I'm going to fast every Wednesday and every Friday. If they betrayed him on Wednesday and crucified him on Friday, I'm just going to just, I'm, every Wednesday, every Friday, and anyone in the, doing ministry with me is going to have to fast and pray on Wednesday and Friday. And, uh, and, and that was throughout his life. Uh, much of the fervent prayer and fasting of John Welch, let me tell you what, we see through that came the release of the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Scotland. Just read church history. During the Great Awakening in the United States here that we live in 1857, in one year, due to prayer and fasting, there was an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Over one million people were saved. Over one million people. This was back in 1857. The Great Awakening is also called the Prayer Revival. It was a call to prayer revival because it brought the dead back to life. It brought the dead church alive. It brought those kids that were dead and on their way to hell back into the church, back into relationship with Jesus to where they're serving God. And then they, they went on and got married and their children serving God. And there's people today that are serving God that it's because of that revival that took place during the Great Awakening. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. And that, that started in New York City. Let me tell you what, I, you know, Pastor Danette, there in New York City, there's strategic, strategic placements that God is calling His church to go and exercise their authority. Let me tell you, that spread from New York eventually throughout the whole nation. It affected our whole nation. And then it crossed the Atlantic Ocean and it broke out in Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales and England and South Africa and Southern India. A great revival from here. It, it continued to go forward. Even went to Northern Ireland. And, and, and God's power was so strong that the courts were adjourned because there were no cases for the judges to oversee. Madam Clerk, is there anyone? What's the next case? Call the case. Your Honor, there's no more cases. People are not stealing. People are not breaking and entering. People are not fighting anymore. They, they're in church. They're on fire for Jesus. They're, they're serving and taking care of the poor. 
The Great Welch Revival in 1904 and 1905 was a result of fasting and prayer that was headed up by Evan Roberts. It says over 100,000 Welch came to Christ in that year. Men stopped gambling and they stopped drinking. I don't know why they only, the history only says the men did it because I reckon the women, you know, you guys must not have been gambling and drinking. But it said there was all the men stopped going gambling, stopped drinking. The bars closed down. Casinos, they lost their customers and had to find something else to use that building for. The political leaders were not showing up in their seats. They were empty because they were at the revivals. Denominational barriers came down. Prejudice went out the window. Come on now. I want to see this in the name of Jesus. The world needs to see it and the church must arise and lead it. Hallelujah. Everyone was experiencing the awesome power and presence of God. And this mighty outpouring of God's Spirit all came, it's historically recorded, because of fasting and prayer. Wow, another one in 1906, the, the great Azusa Street Revival over on the West Coast. William Seymour and Frank Bartleman, they were fasting and they were praying and, and they were ushering in what is now called the Azusa Street Revival. And today, our very church is a part of the aftershock wave of that great move of God. And it's, it's impacted almost every nation in the world. And, and today, they say there's over a quarter of the world's population that find their spiritual heritage from the Azusa Street Revival. The great outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the, in the 20th century. Hallelujah. For 250 years, Fast days were proclaimed throughout America, this great land that we live in. American history, if you'll read it, not church history, but American history, we find that our forefathers, they practiced fasting and prayer as one of the essential spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. From 1600 until right up to the American Civil War, fast days were proclaimed by not only churches, not only denominations, but government leaders. Prior to the very founding of our nation, the Continental Congress, they got together and they made a proclamation recommending a day of public humiliation, fasting and prayer be observed July 20th, 1775. It was during the quasi-war in France that President John Adams declared May 9th, 1798, a day of solemn humility, fasting and prayer. It was on March 30th, 1863, that President Abraham Lincoln, he issued a proclamation expressing that this day would be a national day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer in hope that God would heal and God would restore our divided nation to its former happy condition and unity and peace that God would have. Where did these presidents get the idea to call people to a time of prayer and fasting when they needed a breakthrough? Well, I would tell you none other than God Himself. They got it from His Holy Word or by the Spirit of God. And let me tell you what, God put a word in a prophet's mouth in a time of uh, Israel's history when they were totally devastated. And the prophet Joel began to call the people of God to a time of prayer and fasting. The circumstances were, they were desperate. I'm telling you, the locusts had come upon the land. They said they came with such swarms that the sun was darkened, the day was as night. And then when the sun was, was shining again as the locusts were, were passing through, the landscape was gone. Everything green was gone. The bark of the trees were gone. Everything began to shrivel up and die. Never before had Israel seen such devastation. Their land was totally desolate. 
And in the midst of that, in Joel 1 and 17, he tells us the seed shrivels under the clods and storehouses are in shambles and barns are broken down and the grain has all withered. And following all of that drought comes fire. And the fire destroyed their pastures and their sheep and their cattle were dying. There was nothing for them to eat. The rivers had dried up. Poverty had ravaged the entire nation. And in the midst of such great pain and in the midst of such great loss and in the midst of helplessness and the midst where it looked like there was no way, we serve a God who will make a way where there seems to be no way. And how did we get the way maker moving in that situation? It was through the prophet God said, call for a, a, a time of fasting. Joel 2 and 15, Blow the trumpet in Zion, he said to the prophet. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Assembly required. Pull you together. You're tired, you're tired of where you're at. You're tired of the loss you're dealing with. You don't need to deal with it by yourself. Let's pull together. Because we're stronger together. The blessing is flowing where there is the unity. So I need you together. But come together in a time of prayer and fasting. And the prophet speaking for God, he gives this great promise after the fast. Here's what God says in verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward, after this fast, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see, dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on my maid servants and men servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. Does those words sound familiar? Let me tell you what, if you understand church history, you know when we get into the New Testament and we get to where Jesus has ascended under the heavens and He told His disciples to go in Jerusalem and tarry until they receive power from on high. And they go for ten days and they're praying in the upper room and fasting in the upper room. And they're during this same season as they're waiting uh, uh, during this time of, uh, of the Feast of Pentecost. At that time was taking place. The Bible says what happened that they were all filled with power from, Holy, from the Holy Ghost as the Holy Spirit came and filled each and every one of them. And it was there at Pentecost where the Holy Ghost birthed the church. That's where we woke up. That's where we were germinated and given birth. That's where we take our roots to. That's where Peter said, you're, gonna, uh, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon this anointing, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell, they, the gates of hell won't know what hit it. The gates of hell won't know what came against it. It's going to be a power force. It's going to be an anointing that breaks down the gates and destroys the yokes and sets my people free, my church. And here now, the day of Pentecost, we see that what Joel had prophesied is being fulfilled even there because Peter says in Acts 2 and 16, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now you may say today, well, the locusts had not come in and eaten the greens and eaten of the vegetation and, 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 and caused the drought. Let me tell you what, if you would just pull back the, the, the lenses from your eyes and look in the spirit realm, there's a great famine in the land when we can kill our children before they even take their first breath. And now even after they take their first breath, we can still kill them. Let me tell you what, there's a famine in the land. When I could go through a list of things right now where man has put their selfish desire above the very integrity and the honor of life and the integrity and honor of taking care of one another. Let me tell you what, we have a famine in the land. And the rivers are not flowing like you think they're flowing. And the vegetation is not producing fruit like you think. And we're not 
to go and hide and wait for God to rapture us home. He said, no, I need you the church. I birthed you in power. I birthed you with anointing because you can usher in a revival and you can usher in healing in this land. Hallelujah. So the prophet goes on as he's speaking, as he's writing and telling us what God is saying. God says, here, give them these seven prophetic promises. And the first one is this, God promised to rebuke the spirit of poverty and release divine provision. He said, during this fast, when you're fasting, he said, I want you to know this, call them together. He said, this is going to happen, that they are, there's going to be, uh, uh, I'm going to rebuke the spirit of poverty. And I'm going to release divine provision. In other words, the enemy's been holding it back, but you're going to see that you're going to tear the dams down. You're going to tear down what the enemy's built up. You're going to tear those gates of hell down, and you're going to get the rivers flowing back into the riverbed if you, and during this time of prayer and fasting. He said in verse 19, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine of oil, and you will be satisfied by them. This is God said, I'm going to meet your every need. Your every need. Are you ready for, for the chains that have been on your finances to be broken off? Are you ready for the chains that have been on your going to the next level to be broken off? Let me tell you what. Join us in this 40 days of prayer and fasting. Let's come together. We're calling a sacred assembly and we're going to pray, we're going to fast, and we're going to see the mighty move of God. Second thing the prophet said is God promises to deliver them from the oppression of the enemy. The devil thought he had you. The devil thought he had your children. The devil thought he had your grandchildren. The devil thought he had your parents. The devil thought he had your neighbors. But there's coming deliverance from the hand of God. God said, I will remove far from you the northern army, and I will drive him away into a barren and desolate land. Hallelujah. So as you fast in faith, expect God to break the strongholds of the enemy off of your family, off of your loved ones, and off of your life. You're not going to be bound. You're going to be free for he whom the sun set free is free indeed hallelujah thirdly he said i promised the former and the latter rain you can look back in history and see the former you can see all these revivals you can see these those uh, great things that god did he says but the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain hallelujah so let me tell you he said be glad then you children of zion and rejoice i want us to by faith begin to rejoice even today hallelujah because the god who gave us the former is also going to be faithful to bring rain to come down there's miracles raining down from heaven there there's, there's deliverance raining down from heaven. There's resources raining down from heaven. There's new opportunities raining down from heaven. This is a time of increase. This is a time that the Lord is bringing heaven on earth. Hallelujah. Another one, he says, God promised prosperity. Right there in Joel 2 and 24. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. He says, your business and your bank account You've been looking at the floor of it, but no more. He said it's going gonna, it's gonna to have the activity that it needs. Hallelujah. He says in verse 26, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. So during this time of prayer and fasting, the dire circumstances went from lack to more than enough. Somebody, I'm just speaking that over you right now. You're, going, you're coming out of lack and you're coming into more than enough. You're coming out of lack and you're coming into more than enough. That's the prophetic word of God for you. And another promise he made for the restoration of things lost. Verse 25, so I will restore. This is God talking. 
God says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten and the crawling locusts and the consuming locusts and the chewing locusts. Stop mourning over what you lost and start rejoicing and building what you need to take in that which He's bringing back. He's restoring it unto you. Some of you, your health is being restored. Your years, you say, oh man, I'm on the downhill. No, you're not going downhill. No, God is restoring you. Somebody hear it right now that your youth is going to be renewed like that of the eagle. You're going to run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. I'm telling you, you're going just wait on the Lord. Put your dependence and trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus said, yeah, that thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you know this, I've come to give you life and life more abundant, more abundant, hallelujah. And then the sixth thing we see, promises an outpouring of His Spirit. Oh, as we read church history and we see the outpourings, the waves of the Spirit of God. Oh my, we've been, we've been longing, we've been desiring, we've been calling. On. Let me tell you what God says, when you come together and call, and consecrate and call, uh, an assembling together of the time of fasting and prayer, He says, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Hallelujah. God responds to our prayer and fasting by pouring out His Spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. I love the move of the Spirit of God. Let me tell you what. I've tried my best to heal people, and I can't get them healed. I've tried to get people saved. I can't get them saved. I've tried to get people delivered. I can't get them delivered. I've prayed. I've sweated. I've worked. I've counseled. I've given my number out. I've talked to people three and four in the morning. Them so drunk they can't even enunciate their words. And me just trying to get them. Oh my goodness. But let me tell you what I've seen where the Holy Ghost comes in. And in a moment's time, what the devil thought he had for eternity gets turned around. And that person gets set free. And The least likely. Let me tell you what. And I've seen where healing has come in. Oh my goodness, we've prayed, we've worked, we've prayed, we've worked. But I've seen, bam, just like that, the power of the Spirit of God comes in and someone rises up not to be sick of that infirmity anymore. We are calling for more of you, Holy Spirit. Flow, Holy Spirit. Move, Holy Spirit. Be poured out, Holy Spirit, because He, he makes it look so easy. Amen? I'm ready for more of God. I'm ready for more of His Spirit. I'm ready for more of His power. I'm ready for more of His love. I'm ready for more of His anointing. I'm ready for more of Him. I say, fill this house, God. Fill this house. Start with this individual house. Fill it, Lord God. But then fill this corporate house. Fill it, Lord God. Fill it with Your Spirit. Fill it with Your power. Fill it with Your love. Fill it with Your anointing. Fill me, Lord. Fill us, Lord, with more of You. Fill this house, I pray. Hallelujah. And then finally, here the prophet hears what God's promising and he gives it to us. He said, God says also, during this corporate time of prayer and fasting, I will work miracles on your behalf. Do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle? God's an expert. He's an expert. I've given this example so many times, but I can't help but keep giving it because I understand a little bit of electricity and like when a compressor in an in a air conditioner cuts on, it pulls a lot of power until that pump gets to going, so it'll dim your lights. God gave me this illustration so many years ago. He said if there's six, seven, eight, ten billion, don't matter, people in the world, and every one of them were to cut their air conditioner on at the same time, their air conditioner being an example of them asking for the toughest miracle, a miracle in their life. 
He said, if they all asked me at the same time and I gave it, the lights of heaven would not even blink. Let me tell you what, our God is greater. Our God is greater than we give Him credit. And He wants to show Himself strong and mighty in and through our lives. That's what He said in verse 30. I will show you wonders in the heavens and in the earth. I'm a wonder-working God. I'm a wonder-working God. I'm Jehovah Mophet. I am the God of wonders. That's who I am. That's my name. And I want to show myself strong on your behalf. For you are an oak of righteousness, a planting of God for the display of His glory, for the display of His favor, for the display of His splendor. He wants to show Himself strong and mighty on and in and through your life. Hallelujah. That's what He intended. And He said, Mark 16, 17, And these signs shall follow those who believe. Do you believe? If you believe, he says, in my name you can cast out devils. In my name you'll speak with new tongues. You'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And on and on he goes. He said, there's a manifest of the supernatural wonder of God. Hallelujah. I have faith enough to believe that as we go into this time of prayer and fasting, that we will refocus and reprioritize what is really important in our lives. And as we do, we're going to come to new levels. We're going to experience new seasons. We're going, to, we're going to have to write down in our journal new experiences, new songs, new life that we find totally in Christ. So I ask you to join me for these 40 days beginning Wednesday. You can start anytime, but Wednesday starts the 40 days that leads up to Palm Sunday. And uh, for this time of Lent and time of consecrated prayer, not just something we do and to be religious, no. I'm talking about a supernatural, divine, spiritual encounter where we partner with God. And some have asked me, well, what should I fast? I'd love to give you a list and be all strict and say, this is what you're going to do. Pastor Rodico, she was asking the kids and she asked, I think Caleb said, you know, what are you, have you been praying about what you're going to fast? He said, um, well, I hadn't really thought about it. And she said, well, what are you going to fast? You going to fast sugar or playing your games? He said, sugar. I mean, he didn't even, he, she didn't even finish talking. He didn't have to pray about it. He didn't have to put a fleece out for it. He just said, sugar. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, that was too easy. That was too easy. And then I jumped in and I said, well, what if you, here's your choice. You got to fast between oxygen and your games. And he delayed. And he said, uh, well, I reckon I have to do my games because <laughs> I got to have the oxygen, you know, made it tougher. We're not here to give you a list of what to do. What we want to do is we want to raise you up, the royal priesthood you are, to where you are seeking God and you're asking God, God, what do you want? And here's my, my suggestion, just my suggestion is what I'm going to do is instead of having one thing that I'm going to ride 40 days on, I'm going to get up every morning and after I give my God thanks and praise and adoration for who he is and all that he deserves, I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, show me what I need to fast today. What do you want me to fast today? I want to make it real. I want to make it personal. I want to make it daily. What do you want me to fast today? Now, Isaiah tells us this is the fast that the Lord treasures, the fast that the Lord uh, respects. And, and it, it's not really what you're not doing, but it's what you do with what frees up in your life because of you not doing something. And it's to feed the hungry, put clothes on those that are naked, to help put a roof over the head of those that are homeless and to take care of those that are in need. So, 
what I'm going to do, anything that the Lord shows me. Say, <clears throat> that day I'm to fast, maybe the whole day, just do a water fast. Well, whatever those three meals would cost me, I'm going to take that money and set it aside. And I'm going to put it in my fasting offering. So when I come here on Sunday, I'm going to bring my fasting offering in addition to my tithes and offerings that I've already committed to. And because that's the fast of the Lord. Here, it wasn't necessarily me just doing without food. It's, it's I made the transfer of because that would have cost, say, $15, $20, I'm going to have $20 extra dollars and I'm going to give it. Now, we're partnering. And uh, I was already prayed about this. The Lord put joy ministries on my heart. And then these guys are here this morning. I just love how God works. I'm like, yes, put a face to it. Because that's what they're doing. And have been doing it for 17, 20 years now. And uh, so we'll be taking uh, all of this fasting offering. And we'll be helping Joy Ministries as they help all of these hundreds and hundreds of local families and those children that don't have what we take for granted. So we're going to be doing that with them. So, so just pray every day. Uh, uh, I think Morgan was talking to me and she's like, you know, well, I like that idea, but you know, you know, she loves Starbucks. She don't get it much and she don't drink coffee. She drinks all those foo-foo drinks, fluffy pink and all kind of stuff like that. But they're still five, five, seven dollars, you know. And I was telling her that and she's like, oh. She said, but you pay for my, my Starbucks. And I'm like, oh, okay, well you fast it. We'll put that money over. We'll take good care of our fasting offering. So I'm just asking everybody, let's follow the Lord. He may, you may wake up one day and, and he says, I want you to fast TV today. Or I want you to fast some of the you know, screen time that you're on your electronics or whatever. Or he may tell you something else. Just let him guide you. He may say, fast sweets today. You know, whatever it is. It's not about what you do. It's, it's the obedience and the relationship. The relationship to where he's guiding you step by step this isn't just a religious thing well we're going to fast you know you're going to only eat vegetables you're only eat beans this whole 40 days that's it you know some people do that it's okay i want you to be so sensitive to what god is saying every moment of your life that you are you're following him on that does that make sense does that make sense? Amen. So are you going to join me for the 40 days of prayer and fasting and us expecting the promises of God, those seven promises to be fulfilled in our life, us anticipating us by faith, going ahead and drawing on them as, as we enter in to this amazing time of the year. Hallelujah. 